Hello there, and welcome to this special edition, spooky episode of The Recommendation Game. I am Orla Ominous McNinus, joined by Ricardo Rick Spooky Deacon. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that I came to my head and sticking with it. I was like, I will prepare him. This is a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch it and then we Skype to discuss it. You are listening to this special sound edition of Dublin Digital Radio. Happy Halloween, Ricardo. Thank you. This week's film is 1987's horror western, Near Dark. Caleb Colton no longer belongs to our world. We give him a week, see if we can call him one of us. He belongs to hers. But you have to learn to kill. He belongs to theirs. I don't want to kill. He makes a kill tonight. And they all belong to the night. I haven't met many girls like you. No, you haven't met any girls like me. Cowboy Caleb Colton meets gorgeous May at a bar, and the two have an immediate attraction. But when May turns out to be a vampire and bites Caleb on the neck, their relationship gets complicated. Racked with a craving for human blood, Caleb is forced to leave his family and ride with May and her gang of vampires, including the evil Severin. Along the way, Caleb must decide between his new love, May, and the love of his family. The film was directed by Catherine Bigelow, produced by Stephen Charles Jaffe, written by Eric Red and Catherine Bigelow, starring Adrian Pastar, Jenny Wright, Lance Henriksen, Bill Paxton, Jeanette Goldstein, and Tim Thomerson. Music by Tangerine Dream. Cinematography by Adam Greenberg and edited by Howard E. Smith. This week's film was impromptuously <laughs> impromptu- <laughs> chosen <laughs> by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this film? Uh, I think it is the superior punk vampire love story from 1987. Um, oh fuck you lost boys <laughs> uh, well like i did like Lo- lost boys uh quite a lot but i always felt that the there is a obsession with humor in that movie it doesn't embrace the silliness of vampire stories so mm. whenever uh there's anything like ridiculous happening on screen somebody makes a joke referring to it to go oh we know that it's ridiculous and i'm like this is a fucking vampire movie fucking <laughs> we know <laughs> just be silly just be silly be silly be fucking insane be own it be great then like twilight and then put lean into it and then put a tangerine dream soundtrack on top of it <laughs> And then you have this movie. Like Catherine Bigelow is a very good filmmaker when it comes to this kind of like pastiche entertainment, I think. I was torn between when we uh, pitched me to do a Halloween movie. I was like, I want to do a vampire western. And I was torn between this and John Carpenter's Vampires, which I don't know if it's better than Near Dark, but I'll probably prefer it. But I just like how weird it is as a movie, like Maximilian Schell. And... This movie, I like it's a solid 94 minute movie. It co- gets in and out straight away it's a movie that is like 
more like a mood piece than like the, there's not an awful lot of story but there's like a lot of memorable moments i think in the it's in quite the film. plotty though like it's yeah but at the same time it's not like oh we have to get from here to like there's no mission or like he's not trying to escape them like he's trying to figure out how he feels it's like in a way it's a lot more internal than external plot wise that it's mm-hmm. more like oh yeah he's been he's either actually in love with me or has been uh, seduced because of vampire powers of like seduction and that has uh fucked up his brain that is like what do i do it's also like the sickness getting like of the turning there's so many cool action moments and memorable scenes like the the bar scene uh that is really weird like i think that uh, bill paxton just takes the character that he has in aliens that uh, i don't know if he copped that that whenever uh uh, whenever Caleb is in the little shitty town trying to get a bus journey home back to Oklahoma, that uh, he crosses a, a cinema. He goes past the cinema and they're showing aliens. Oh, and, uh, I, I did not notice that. And I, I thought that that was a <laughs> kind of like disgusting because I think that Catherine Bigelow was already dating fucking James Cameron before. Like, I think Bill Paxton takes that kind of, like, weird vibe that he has in Aliens and just, like, goes with it. It's finger licking good. One of the reasons that I like about this movie is that when it comes to the actual vampires, like, it does a really good job of, like, capturing the internal struggle that each one is feeling by just the nature of what point in their lives they got turned Mm. and i think a lot of movies miss that and also considering that like they're a massive like a big group or family let's say that you have this kind of like different uh dynamic because you might be older but you're younger and the movie does a good job to say that some merges of their the age that you get turned doesn't change you don't completely you don't age you're not like a 500 year old person you know like you still have a certain level if you get turned when you're 60 you have a certain level of like world weirdness that you wouldn't have if you were turned when you were like in your mid-20s like severedness Mm. and i think it's like cool that it's like severin clearly was like some gunslinger and (laughs) in the wild west or something and he just has that mentality and then he has something like made that she was at the end of high school kind of thing uh whenever and i think that homer is one of the most interesting characters in this movie the the little kid that is a vampire uh yeah that was a bit weird (laughs) when he like finds sarah and yeah, we'll, like we'll we'll get to that though. But yeah, his character was kind of odd. Yeah, like and I, I think it's odd, but in an interesting way. Like I think that like every time that I watch the movie, I catch like little moments. Uh, I think it's a movie that compresses a lot and lets just like hints at 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 things rather than explain mm. to you uh, when it's ninety minutes. 
Uh, the only thing that I'm disappointed about this movie is a bit about the ending because it's <laughs> like uh, Caleb by himself being able to like, who's just like a regular human, <laughs> being able to destroy a cabal of vampires without <laughs> like not that much effort kind of like undermines the how the movie sells how powerful and strong they are but at the same time i think that to a certain degree it's kind of like that he defeats them by using their like their own psychology against them yeah their hubris yeah the uh, and but at the same time it, it is not like it's not like you you're seeing him planning something you know Mm. Uh, and also like I think it was a missed opportunity the the bit in the whenever like it's a night time and uh, he's in the house or whatever like if she, like you're watching that and it go you go like oh this is the bit that uh, it becomes a, a, a siege movie you mm. know like fucking Night of the Living Dead or whatever you know uh, like the end like of the siege earlier in the film <laughs> Or like the end of LA Confidential or something. Mm. I suppose that th- there is a siege already in the movie, but then it's like you can play off the difference between the two or something. I don't know. But Plus it... the dad gets more of a role at the end as well, of kind of defending them or whatever. Like there are bits on the movie that I think that it's like, it's weird that he doesn't say that he goes to his family house when he takes May to the horse because it's extremely creepy otherwise. <laughs> like, uh, I do think that the the bit in the beginning, the first time that I watched it, I felt a bit uncomfortable that it's like this guy seems to be a bit of a scumbag. But mm. uh, I think that later on, whenever Bill Paxton is picked up by the two girls, I think it shows that it's like this kind of the charm that like vampires are renowned mm. for having like that trope that they're able to seduce you so they can take you to like a dark area and bite you so i think that <laughs> i think as well you're so sure that she is a vampire yeah, from, from the, the be- start like- as well and he's he's not like his behavior is not great but he's so like goofy yeah and like you know, even though like she's so pure and young looking, he doesn't feel like a threat at any point. <laughs> and I also think that it's like it's very subtle in uh, uh, Jenny Wright's performance, but it does change from that th- those scenes to later on. She still has like a level of innocence to her, but she's not playing mm-hmm. like this kind of like doll like kind of thing. She's selling the idea of being you know the the Prom manic uh, yeah the manic pixie girl or whatever well like afterwards she still has some of that personality but it's a little bit toned down and i think that like i really appreciated that that thing but i think as a movie as a whole uh, i just like how it is stylistically no. uh, i think it's one of those movies that it is extremely 80s but in a good way mm-hmm. that there's like mm-hmm. you know that there's 80s 80s there's like you know there's some 80s movies that are like terribly 80s but it's so terribly 80s that it become good 80s like uh to live and die in (laughs) la 
and then yes. you have uh, like you know like the shorts and like the flat looking thing of everything uh well in the full the money or something and then you have like 80s that is like uh just like this you know that is like super fucking neon fucking badass synth but it's like really big hair fucking going for it decrepit at the same time this is not a clean movie (laughs) like good vampire movies do sometimes that is like a comment also of that area in america that is like these people are able to like fucking hide in the shadows because of the way that the country is like it's a very you know blue collar kind of movie there's nobody there there's a lot of drifters yeah there's nobody remotely middle class (laughs) so yeah like uh, i thought that'd be like a a fun movie to watch as well considering uh what's happening in the world it's like oh yeah like fucking (laughs) let's have a a ball Uh, (laughs) so without further ado what did you think of near dark near dark um Catherine Bigelow is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't really have any other, like any relationship with her filmography other than her later work. So you haven't seen, seen Point Break? No. Oh my God, is that pick Point <laughs> I Break? Know. I know. <laughs> say, say it again. Point Break. Po- point Break. Um, no, I haven't seen any of her, any of her eighties movies, any of her nineties movies. Um, I think I've seen Zero Dark Thirty, and I th- the Hurt Locker is the one about the bomb dispo- disposal guys, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I've seen those two. I haven't seen Detroit or anything else, but um, which according to reviews is probably a good thing. Um, I think Detroit is the one that argues the police brutality is down to a few bad apples. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's not a narrative that anyone's still peddling though, Ricardo. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's kind of two things whenever I think of Catherine Bigelow that sort of loom over her as a like filmmaker and as a kind of character in my mind or like her being the only woman to date who's ever won the Oscar. Um, and then also her, the labeling of her as like a masculine director, which is kind of derogatory in, in a lot of ways, but it's bothersome as well because like it makes it seem as if these were the only films that she could make to make it in the industry rather than these were the films that she just wanted to make. Like she's clearly like, like in these kind of, like this kind of genre, very, very into the actual action of the action films as well. Like apparently she like, you know, is kind of like her notorious ex-husband, um, very into the, like that technical side of things and like creating her own equipment and stuff so she can pull off things and like, these were just the films that she wanted to make. But um, yeah, it's looking back at her, her filmography, she's actually kind of a bit of a genre hopper as well. Like, there's always a theme of, you know, action and violence. and um, But there's always kind of like a, a theme of kind of like social commentary or, you know, the, the violence is always tinged with like the world around it, that nothing is ever violence for the sake of violence or... Um, it's kind of like this film as well. Like it's, this film is so melancholy in a way. Like it's, it's like, it's, it's really, really fun. Like I have to say that, like, and it's funny because you were talking about, um, Lost Boys, which I don't know if I've actually seen that, but, um, 
It's kind of funny. The whole like vampire western um, is kind of a funny genre. It seems to have sprung up around this time, and this obviously isn't the first vampire western film, and uh, not even of in that year. But um, yeah, it kind of it makes sense though. Apparently, uh, oh, also this is not our first vampire western on the podcast either. <laughs> what do we um, watch again? Uh, you didn't like it very much. Girl walks home alone at night. Oh yeah. um apparently uh catherine bigelow just wanted to make a western like that she wrote the original script and but at the time westerns were so unpopular at the box office uh that she she wanted to do a genre blend instead and like westerns and vampire movies kind of go together for a lot of reasons but um i was when i was reading that earlier i was thinking that i'm sure our old friends um uh heaven's gate have a lot to do with that but um, <laughs> yeah, like unpopularity of westerns yeah the, the western was dead between heaven's gate and then i think it got <laughs> revived to a certain extent in 1989 with uh, silverado mm. starring kevin costner of course there is a whole section of wikipedia called weird westerns which is a section page on wikipedia which is just all the many genres that westerns have blended with in the past and all the different movies in those subgenres. it's very fun but um i love vampires like i love every <laughs> every form no matter how stupid or how serious like you know i take a lot of pleasure in comparing all the different rules of the different vampire universes i particularly love vampire tv shows for this reason because they have more time to develop the rules and and how they're you know utilized and and stuff and i think that's when you were saying uh about how this film um has the theme of how each person's a different struggle of because of when they turned at what point in your like vampire life you're at and stuff which i think i was trying to give a film example that does this and nothing really came to mind. But I think in TV shows, they're able to do that more because... I think if not just having Left Alive did a good job of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is our third vampire movie. Yeah. Uh, which is actually kind of more comparable to this even than A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. If only for the, like, melancholy... I mean, like, in, in all props to Twilight, Twilight does do a bit of it as well in that it has um, vampires from different eras and stuff, which, and so you have, like, fresher vampires and older vampires and everything, and they, but they're all, like, a lot of vampire movies, it's the collection of a family, and the whole kind of family circle of Twilight is also what's kind of funny, because you have the two warring families and all oh, the Twilight universe, but, um, yeah, or even, like, we watched um, Interview with a Vampire recently, which is fucking excellent. <laughs> Why it's, it's so, such a good movie like it's, it's so good i was not expecting it it was so fun um it's actually really melancholic as well whenever fucking lestat is talking about like going to the cinema and looking at the sunrise for the first time in like 400 years or whatever mm-hmm. bill paxton especially in this film really reminds me of of like a discount christian slater or maybe christian slater is a discount bill paxton i don't know but <laughs> The two are like interchangeable in my mind in that same kind of like boyish manic energy that they have in something like, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, Heathers and yeah. like 
maybe not this maybe more alien but he's obviously a bit older playing an older character in that but um i don't know they kind of look alike as well um yeah like it's a like it's such a pity the uh, bill paxton died like uh, a couple of years ago like uh, i think that he was uh, i think he directed a movie as well I don't know what it is in my mind I associate with him because for me he's more a 90s movie or more a 90s actor. He directed a movie called Frailty that is a serial killer movie with uh, Matthew Mahoney uh, from 2001 <laughs> which is a really good movie uh, uh, might be a pick or whatever as well that is a serial killer movie oh. but the point of view is from the children of the serial killer. I've never heard of this. Fascinating. It's very good. Like, uh, uh, and uh, he also directed the the greatest game ever played about the first amateur to win the U.S. Open golf in 1911, starring Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf. Um. But uh, Paxton, I mean, uh, I I always felt that, like even though he's one of these actors that had like an incredible career, mm-hmm. like. Uh, he he wasn't this and aliens fucking apollo 13 uh, titanic uh, tombstone i think uh, mm. uh, but he, he did he ever really get his big starring role though he was in twister i think twister would have been uh, his, that's what uh, it's, that's what i'm thinking of oh i fucking love that film oh that needs to be rewatched what is it an instrument pack for studying tornadoes. If we knew how a tornado really worked, we could design an advanced warning system. The biggest series of storms in 12 years, one lined up right after another. Twister, funny little, uh, little nugget of trivia. Twister mm-hmm. was the first movie ever to be on to, DVD. The, uh, there you go. <laughs> That's such a pop quiz piece of knowledge. I don't know why I have that in my head. But yeah, it was the first film that was ever released. But, it, but I always felt that like he was a way more uh, diverse an actor, had a much bigger range that he was ever given credit for. Like mm. this performance is almost Nicolas Cage like. It's you so know, it's, it's very demented and like out there. Like that scene in the bar he gets, <laughs> like your man to punch Caleb. Go on, hit him a couple times. I'm trying to show the boss something. It's like if they weren't vampires, that'd be the funniest thing ever. Like to provoke a man and just put like a guy in front of him, and the guy just keeps punching him anyways, even though he didn't do anything. I couldn't stop laughing when that happened. Uh, but... I don't know if they're. I think there is a cut. I don't know if there's a director's cut of this, but apparently whenever he, the uh, the guy that he eventually like strangles or whatever, um, apparently he literally like pops his head, but the sen- like because of the censorship at the time, it was taken out. Um, so I don't know if there exists like director's cut or whatever though, because I'd love to see that because it's already kind of gross enough, particularly when he's like, I hate when they're not shaved. <laughs> so gross this is such a sweaty mood i hate how unclean they are at all times mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody needs a wash um it did kind of weirdly match up quite well with when we watched tremors last week um it was a kind of a nice little companion 
Um, yeah, I do have to say, I did find, um, just going back to the kind of the, the, the rules of their universe and stuff, um, I, I did find that it was a little inconsistent, their, the way they react to sunlight and stuff, that sometimes they'd like immediately burst into flames and other, it, it was kind of silly, but more the ending than anything else, like, not, not so much the like, it's easy to cure vampirism. Um, oh yeah, like I was like, I, I wish we could. Uh... <laughs> that was funny. Also, I love how he like turns her back into human, seemingly without her consent. Um, and I don't know, like, does she, <laughs> does she want that? I don't know. The freeze frame at the end would seem to indicate not. But anyways, uh, like that, that's kind of interesting because as I was watching it, I was like, this is so like, like pray away the gay kind of like fantasy of like and then the, the back of my head the whole time as well it was like there's so much like social concept or like um context for this of like like assuming this is made in, like 1986 like beginning of the aids crisis and anything that comes out this time it's just like woo, woo, woo. but um even like the <laughs> i didn't mind the ending that but the ending it was more how He's able to defeat them almost like the vampires almost as if that they give up. It's that it's it's it it just it, it the whole kind of showdown it all ends a little bit too easy and it's kind of fun because even like they've set up the sort of jackknife thing with the truck driver. There were a lot of trucks in this, which I quite enjoyed. Um <laughs> I had fun spotting all the different brands. But uh you know, they've set up the jackknife thing and everything, but like the thing goes on fire before it even like flips. It's just nuts. But yeah, I, I don't know. It kind of, it took away a lot of the, this sort of dramatic, like it took a lot of away, away a lot of the threat of, of them that they were so easy to be defeated. Um, and it kind of as well, it, their whole running with, with him and how you get to see their lifestyle, which I kind of enjoyed the lack of like, you know, like, gothic flashbacks to them and the like civil war with their frilly shirts and their old english and la la like I, I kind of enjoyed that they were sort of wasters but at the same time their running with him makes me think that like how did they get this far as vampires because <laughs> they're so bad at it <laughs> like, oh shit where's the role of tinfoil <laughs> better at it like even because we were talking about it yesterday and um uh, uh <laughs> what did john say actually that was so funny uh <laughs> like when she's like trying to convince him to come back and john's like i'm sorry the rv life isn't for me <laughs> which i thought was quite funny um also lots of little um guest appearances of tumbleweeds which i enjoyed but yeah i, I don't know like i kind of I would have liked, I don't mind that they're like a, a roving group of nomads because that, that's like a common theme with vampires as well. That they do have to move around for like obvious reasons. But it, it, I would have enjoyed more if they had more small little ingenious ways of getting away with things other than just like their brute force of being very vicious. Well, like I think it's that the argument that the movie makes is that uh, nobody wants to know about it. So mm. they don't. That is yeah, like the thing with the cops well, yeah. and stuff that is like, we don't really give a shit. Hmm. Uh, the, whenever Caleb disappears or whatever, it's like, or even when they do corner them, it's because a mistake, uh, like the mistake was not that they killed somebody and left him there. It's that they let the guy go. And it was hmm. just like, 
uh, a mistake made by somebody that is not initially from the group because if they had killed him they wouldn't have like found the, the group or whatever like it's mm. uh, and in a way I think the, just because they keep burning whatever it's like very much Americana way of approaching I suppose being <laughs> a vampire the, you just know the dingy places there you can hide Mm. And it, it, it he does mention the that he has like that they seem to be going in a circle because he said that it's like I get to this space uh, yeah, once every, every 50, 50 years. years. So, yeah. so like I thought yeah, that, that was kind of interesting in a way, but like I do agree with you that it's a little silly at times. It would but have been uh, time... interesting to to go into the minutia of like how yeah. do you do things and stuff but yeah particularly when like you've been going since like the civil war uh fun little bad for the side <laughs> um but uh yeah i mean see it, it it does kind of evoke a time as well when people could exist as pure drifters where like particularly more in like the 70s and stuff where so people were able to get away with like large numbers of murders because there was no like proper way of tracking people and there was no like communication between police departments and all this stuff and just the vast wasteland of middle america but um yeah i don't know i even even they don't seem to really have any possessions or things and i know it's kind of like the their 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 thing is that they're just like this gang of of complete and utter like i don't know but unsympathetic uh but like I, I i thought that homer was sympathetic in a way the because you can tell that he because well he would have been like 10 11 when he got turned hmm. uh you had, 12 maybe. yeah okay 12 let's say 12 that first he turned may because you see like the the group before may got turned is homer severin uh jesse and jesse's girlfriend i can't remember her name now um mm. so you have like this kind of group that of course jesse and the girlfriend they're like a unit and severin doesn't give a shit about anything so mm. homer is like like goes and converts what would be like the 12 year old's version of like a fantasy girl that is like if i turn may then i'll mm. have the same as jesse and his girlfriend but then because he turned somebody that is older she was having the same conflict that she wanted like a companion let's say to go through eternity so when she finds a connection with caleb she makes the effort of like turning him and then that's why i think the homer becomes obsessed with sarah and ends up getting himself killed because it's not be sarah age. itself yeah or being younger is that he will never be replaced he'll be mm. like the experienced one she'll be looking up to him he'll be able to teach her or whatever because does mention to may that he teaches he taught her how to 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 be a vampire but you can tell that even though like let's say may is stronger than homer because like Homer is stronger than any person, but just where you got like, there seems to be a, a 
correlation between who you were before and after as well when it comes to strength and powers which i think it was kind of interesting the way that even homer has to like trick people for him to be Mm. able to eat them like the way that he does the bicycle trick and stuff which is really creepy yeah i didn't realize it was him at first i was like oh um i do think that's kind of interesting that it's tied to who you were before and even that None of them are like, other than May, who's like the real kind of honey trap of it. The thing of like in in like um, in True Blood and Twilight and stuff, it it makes you into your most beautiful self, so that you literally shimmer with, so that like anyone just looks at you and will immediately do whatever you want. Whereas like in this, it seems more like. Um, I mean, sometimes they have kind of like eye power or something where they can kind of like entrance you into it. Yeah. It's, it's almost more like, it's a lot rougher. There's nothing, there's nothing glamorous about them. You don't want to be them. They're not really very sexy. It's, it's kind of, which is kind of interesting for the time that this came out. Like it, it's, it's an 80s movie and not at the same time, which I kind of find interesting. Um, but particularly like, it's really well made. Like it's really beautifully shot. Um, but it's even because there's there's so many like you know empty like western landscapes, but then also like they really handle the like empty motels and parking lots and the like you know strip mall wasteland of like the you know Schittsville, Oklahoma, whatever, really well. Like without having this sort of over reliance and like you know neon and you know it's not it's not shot in a kind of a like showy eighties way. It's it's really interesting. Uh, like so many beautiful like silhouette shots and stuff yeah like even the the um, attention to detail whenever uh, caleb is trying to walk home and he's already mm-hmm. burning i think the the effects for the fire and the smoke oh, is the particularly smoke, great yeah. like uh, yeah because the it's it's really well done because he's walking across a dusty field so you can't quite tell if it's the dust or is he burning or is it both like it's this weird and it's like coming out of his back and it's really cool i think i read something about how they did that where they he literally had some sort of like it was like like rolling tobacco or something but like bricks of it so that it would smoke for ages <laughs> so it's like but like strapped into his uh, uh which is kind of funny that's so um i do obviously love the practical effects in this as well like um some of them are kind of hilarious but a lot of the like the violence and the 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 actual vampire like all the blood and stuff i think is really well handled even from a sound perspective like the sound design is quite interesting um like particularly when they have the waitress and they just like drop her and then like <laughs> just like drain her it's like oh it's so gory that scene actually um like it reminded me a lot of a lot of westerns that we've done but also it quite quite reminded me of a scene in have you seen the guest of course I have, yeah. Whenever he orders the... Fireball. The... <laughs> I love that scene. I love that movie so much. So stupid. But um... I, I do think that it's something about... Like, the guest has the same problem as well. I think a lot of these movies, they're, like, mixing genres and, like, mm. doing, like, this kind of, like, high-concept stuff. They often just end. You know, it's like I run out mm. of plot... And then it's like, now we had to, uh, yeah. And then now we had to end it. And then you, <laughs> you do what you think is going to be like a cool ending, but it ends up being like le- way less cool than the smaller moments that came before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, 
<laughs> this movie just ended up that is like the ending of the movie is him just walking home and forsaking the vampires would have been like a lot more uh in tune to the rest of the movie that like turning her and weird freeze frame <laughs> and then like the the way that they explode and also how quick the sunrise happens as well like <laughs> know, oh my yeah. god that the the ending felt so condensed that it was really bizarre considering like the opening of him meeting her that's quite a long sequence where you know you kind of know what's going on but you're not quite sure what's going to happen if like all you know our vampire's going to swoop down and what's going to happen it takes a long time before she bites him so when you compare that to uh the ending was just like weirdly compressed and like really strange for some reason i was thinking of um have you seen it follows uh yes yeah that was another film that had a really stupid ending the swimming pool yes yeah and like it's like we have this great concept we have no idea what to do with it Um, (laughs) that's another micah monroe film actually i really like her um but yeah, I mean, it just kind of ended and we were like, wow, that was ridiculous. But at the same time, really, really enjoyable. Um, like, the, <laughs> the soundtrack is so funny. Um, what's the what's the other film that Tangerine Dream has done a soundtrack for? Sorcerer. Sorcerer, that's it. Because fucking Friedkin on one of those marker mode um, uh, radio... What was that? I can't remember where he did one of those, like... Um, those shows on movie soundtracks and he has a whole extended interview with um with William Friedkin where he's talking about how he he saw them in like this in like the woods in Germany with them like playing and there was like no lights and it was just mental so they they would just they wrote all this music and would just send him these like you know 12 minute cuts of music and he would just like there was no I don't think they ever saw the film <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, like I I remember like uh, Friedkin getting interviewed by um, by Mark uh, Mark Maron. Um, mm-hmm. He said that like uh, he had suggested to Tangerine Dream that they may do the soundtrack for it, <laughs> and then like so, some AD in the middle of the jungle goes, "Oh yeah, you got the delivery," and it was like rolls of eight <laughs> fucking. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but that's a much more, like, I felt like this was a bit of a, sort of a sillier, more 80s soundtrack then. I don't know if they, like, if this is more, like, wrote to the film or what, I have no idea, but, uh, I kind of love how random the soundtrack and Sorcerer is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, it kind of, it worked somewhat with this, but, um. But, like, Tangerine Dream also, though, has done the soundtrack for Thief, which is the first uh, Michael Mann movie. Uh, oh. It's really good um, with James Can. That's another neo like uh, there's a term that it's a neon noir. Oh, that like something Very like Michael Drive Man. is neon noir. Like or yeah, Night like Crawler. Nightcrawler. Collateral is another Michael Mann one that is a neon noir. Oh my God, I remember Collateral? Jesus. Um, do you have any closing thoughts before? I know. I'm just really glad that you 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 like this movie. Like, uh, yeah. you, like it is as you said, like an incredibly enjoyable movie. But it's like it's both entertaining and like slow paced and melancholic. Uh, like it's mm. very interesting and unique what it does uh, with uh, both the genre and the filmmaking approach that it takes. It is like 
it's one of those movies that it's like fun enough and entertaining enough and like has enough to say that it makes you look past like own goals that it commits like the bit of like <laughs> the blood transfusion thing this is like what did they transfuse his entire blood or it's just yeah. a little bit of blood and the like don't i don't want that explained i like how vague and stupid and like frankenstein that is don't like vampires also eat blood so wouldn't you be like doing that it's yeah and like like is the venom held in the what is the what were we watching where if you have a oh that's actually that's reminded me of edge of tomorrow where um if you get injured you've seen that haven't you yeah. If you get injured rather than killed, you'll end up with a blood transfusion and you'll lose the gift of like going back in time. Which I thought was quite interesting and it kind of reminded me of that. But um, yeah, yeah, but at least kinda... you make sense because it says that it's like your blood is mixed or whatever. Mm. Rather than it's like, oh yeah, uh, my dad who's a, like farmer. Where did you get the medical yeah. equipment, dad? Well, like that's clearly like veterinary kind of thing but also it's like they have one horse it's not like he has like a fire like you know it's like a fucking <laughs> it's like an oklahoma yeah and i was so disappointed at the end as well when he goes riding with the horse and then like the horse just like fucking sprints out it's like you know like you have it's like that scene in adaptation when uh when not Charlie Kaufman, uh, what's the name of the Danny Kaufman, the the fictitious twin brother that he writes into the movie? Yeah, I don't know. That he's like, oh, I'm writing a chase scene. It's uh, between a horse and a motorcycle. So it's like technology versus horse. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, I think that it's like, you know, like, you know, oh, they slashed the tires of the car, but they didn't count on the horse. And they thought that it's like, you know, the way that the movie does a good job of planting little seeds that, you know, like when you watched enough Hollywood movies, you know, like, mm. Mm, put a little fucking uh, note here, a little marker, because this is coming back. Because uh, you spent a little bit too much time explaining the mechanics of a fucking 18-wheel truck. <laughs> which reminds me, my favorite shit TV show that I used to watch when I grew up was called 18 Wheels of Justice. Which is... <laughs> like, the was greatest... truck driver vigilante? Yeah, yeah. The... Yes! <laughs> going from town to town. Oh, man. Special Agent Michael Cates was marked for death the day he infiltrated a powerful crime family. Find him. When a devastating blast kills his young wife and only daughter, Cates is forced to live on the road as Chance Bowman. His home, an 18-wheeled big rig. His address, a million miles of highway. His only wish, fight organized crime and avenge his family's innocent blood. I'm taking a stand against the people who killed my family. Lucky Vanos stars in a brand new high-octane action drama. 18 Wheels of Justice. Tomorrow at these times on Showtime TV Land. Like the only bit that I was kind of disappointed of the truck scene is that it's a little bit too reminiscent of the truck explosion from the first Terminator. 
Oh, yeah, where he walks out and he's, like, all metallic. and. Yeah, but in the beginning also that the Terminator, like, they run over and then he climbs over and he's, like, breaking through the machinery. And mm-hmm. I thought, considering that, like, part of the charm of this kind of movie, it's, like, uh, Friday the 14th, the 13th, which is what I have to do with numbers, like, Apollo like 18. Like, you can't. <laughs> the Apollo, fucking Friday the 14th. <laughs> But you can't kill the villain. No, it's more that like part of the enjoyment is uh, figuring out how like it's the first time that you've seen something like that being made. I think it's part of the uh, why it's not as enjoyable to watch uh, a movie that the special effects may be completely uh, perfectly adequate, but it's in CGI because there's like part of enjoying the puzzle of going like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, when it's practical, it's like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. That is like really weird in camera visual effects. There's no CGI or whatever that even like when it's the eyes and stuff like it's an incredible looking movie. Uh, there's even like shots that is like. A little like model train driving by and then you get like somebody with a mask like popping their eyes in the background and it's like actually doing that and it's really bizarre but because you know that it's all real you go how the fuck did they do it you know like how it's so much scarier well like, like in this like even like fucking paxton's face after like he gets run over like hit by the truck and stuff <laughs> it's like really great special effects uh, mm-hmm. And I like that they they're like a problem that I have with vampire movies is how fang fetish is that a thing? You know what I mean? <laughs> that it's like when they're gonna bite, yeah. you have yeah. the and shot like of the fangs. Like, yeah, and they're like all sexy, and you get the, like oh, the beautiful neck. Like you don't even see any actual like flesh being bitten. Like, the, one of the most gory things in the film is them slashing someone's throat in order to, like, you know, drain her. Uh, just for, like, I don't know, the crack. But... <laughs> um, Any final but, thoughts yeah. to yourself? Um, not really. I really enjoyed it. Um, like, yeah, I, I like movies that are very much of their era, but also manage to transcend that era at the same time. Um... Which is why I think all movies that come out in the next, like, the last five, in the next five years, seeing them in, like, 20 years is going to be really interesting. <laughs> ah, yes. The 2010s. Um, but, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really hide, other than the description and that it was, like, a neo-Western. I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, particularly from Catherine Bigelow, I kind of want to give her more, not that I've been, like, avoiding her, but, I don't know, I just never think of her. And now I'm like, hmm. Yeah, they're, like... Uh... There's a movie called Strange Days that Alex showed me a, a scene from it and it looks interesting, uh, Catherine Bigelow. It's like starring mm. Ray Fiennes and any movie that Ray Fiennes is the main actor is a movie that I'd be interested in watching. <laughs> so uh, what was your favorite thing? Your favorite thing? I think it's the, the whole aesthetic of the movie. Like uh, it's like obviously it comes when it is as aesthetic as this movie is it comes from Mm -hmm. the director and i think that um like often she doesn't get the credit she deserves as a director because they'll go oh like great cinematographer great actors 
whatever. Mm. But like she, uh, like she really knows how to set a tone in a movie. I think, uh, for good or for bad, she's a master of that. And I think that in this case, it's uh, a tone that is consistent throughout, like even to the end. Uh, I thought that the ending is a missed opportunity uh, when. Uh, she wakes up and reminded me of the ending of Captain Phillips. <laughs> I haven't seen Captain Phillips. Well, like uh, in Captain Phillips at the end, like fucking Captain Phillips, which is mm. like Tom Hanks, Tom is Hanks? just having like a fucking panic attack or something because of the ordeal that he's had, you know, like he's going into mm. shock. So I thought that it would have been like really interesting that that's her, that Caleb didn't get that because he was only a vampire for a couple of days. But, like, it must be a, like, you know, like, not having a pulse for a few years must not be exactly good for your body. Yeah. But, <laughs> but besides that, like... More explanation required. But that's the, the thing with the aesthetics of the movie is that every time that I try to think about questioning something, it's like, oh, there's a cool shot. Oh, this fucking <laughs> soundtrack is amazing. Oh, I that's how they get you. That's cool. Oh, and yeah, like it's uh, it's really like, so, like you know where we say a lot that like a movie uh, has to be as long as it should be, and I think a lot of other directors would have gone for the film to be longer than this i mm. do think that there's a certain level like uh, i think you're spot on in saying that <laughs> the there's a certain the yeah there's a certain yeah oh yeah we uh <laughs> we spent all our money in the bar scene so now we have to <laughs> pretend that the movie is finished but i think it's um it also reeks of we start making the movie and we don't have the ending for it. I and mean, you're trying to like rewrite the ending as you go along and you end mm. up shooting the ending of the movie as the last thing. And that's why you, because a lot of times you know that you're probably gonna run out of budget and you're gonna have to do like weird decisions, but you shoot the beginning and the end first. So at least mm. you have like the bookmarks done and then it's easier to kind of like break it up in the middle of the movie, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, now they just talk for 30 minutes. But you can't do that at the end of the movie, you know, like you could have a scene. Please frame. Yeah. Like it almost seems like they run out of fucking film stuff. <laughs> yeah. I kind of expected the thing to kind of flap up at the end. Like, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like I think it's, it's the, the, the aesthetics of the movie is that like, like uh, I think the combination of like everything from the set design, the wardrobe, the like mm. hair and makeup and everything. And then you had the really fucking cool cinematography and a kick ass soundtrack on top of that. <laughs> like it's a memorable movie kind of thing, you know, like uh, and it's like quite unique. But at the same time, it's like not unique. But like you said, uh, there's a lot of uh merging between westerns and vampire movies even most of them seem to have come out since the like the end of the 80s though like a lot of them in the 90s and you have like uh, and from dust till dawn uh, yeah and there's like so... one i think it's from dust till dawn three uh which i've watched uh which is like stop, set right, in stop the watching 1860s. sequels you lunatic 
like I don't have the time anymore to watch these things but like I was a teenager with not a very active social life and a lot of time on my hands and uh, ample DVD and like TV show just so yeah what's your favorite thing probably Catherine Bigelow I think because um, it is really well directed and there are so many like directorial flourishes in it and she's just like really in control of like there's like the different genres that are she's utilizing but i think what you said there about um like world building and whenever like set up a tone is really accurate that you kind of like immediately get where you are in this film which i quite enjoyed and even like the introduction of the, the actual vampire elements of it or it's almost like like that first bite is just like he's like oh she bit me you know what I mean it's not like a big long drawn out ridiculous thing it's like um, she's sort of like the two things are kind of melded together very well Um, yeah she's just excellent I feel like she deserves more praise and I should give her more attention Um, particularly like because I'm not a big action movie person or like gore for the sake of gore but I like action and gore when it's done this well (laughs) Within a like, you know, <laughs> hyper masculinity skewering, nineteen eighty like Reagan's America, <laughs> like no, there's no like middle class left. Um, but no, I, yeah, I like her. Got my seal of approval. What was your least favorite thing? Um, probably the ending. Just because it was so silly. <laughs> it was so strange. I was like, how is this going to end? It was like, you kind of, you sort of know that the vampires are probably not going to win, but you're like, ooh, how is he going to do it? And then it's like, oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of let it down because I liked so much of the rest of it. Because um, even the, like, inconsistencies with their, like, bursting into flames and, and, like yeah, but you kind of let it away with that because it's you know sort of practical effects and whatnot. But um, yeah, that was a bit too glaring. Yeah, apparently, like covering somebody with a jeans jacket will save their life if they're a vampire, like, <laughs> but a blanket won't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a new Wranglers ad, you know, like <laughs> tough enough for daytime. Um. It's gene time every time. <laughs> yeah, the sequel is just like them were like game suits made out of denim. <laughs> I'm struggling to stop myself from googling game suit made out of denim. <sighs> I don't want that on my my work laptop. Um, what was uh your least favorite thing? My least favorite thing, I think, it's the like it has to be the ending, like because even like the. <laughs> The wishy-washy kind of like uh, rule-breaking kind of thing is the movie kind of mm. owns it. Kind of like you, even the turning bit is kind of like ah, don't think about it kind of thing. But <laughs> yeah, but it narratively makes sense. But how he defeats them and even the fact that it's like they have him and the dad in the room and they're like in the room for two seconds and it was dark when the dad came in and then it's bright <laughs> two seconds later. Uh, and then like other bits of the movie is like the sunrise go on for like hours mm-hmm. and then this is like oh yeah just day now full, full on full day daylight. 100% daytime so they were fine now they're on fire 
Like, I did like how when they explode, they just disappear. <laughs> There's like just shoes, nothing left. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, like that's, be, like I agree with you, the, the ending could have yeah. had more, let's say. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a good old romp and uh, it was nice escapism as well. I suppose that whenever the ending only lasts five minutes and the movie is 90 minutes long, it's easier to forget that it's like, it's that were third act of a three hour movie and the third act is half an hour. Yeah. Ah, one hour and 34 minutes. <laughs> it's just, it's perfect. Chef's kiss. Ah, chef's kiss. Um, yeah, so that was a near dark. Happy Halloween. Uh, Ricardo, where can they find us if they dare? You can find us on Facebook at The Recommendation Game, on Twitter at The Rec Game. Our email is the recommendation game at gmail.com. Our back episodes are on the Dublin Digital Mix Cloud and your podcaster of choice. And if you want to support uh, independent Irish radio, please uh, donate to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon. Yay! Next week's film is my choice. <laughs> yes, uh, well, like it's the, the one that was supposed to be this week. Yes. Uh, it is eighth so grade. We'll, we'll finally get to eighth grade. Yes, eventually. Sorry, Bo. Uh, cool. Well, until then, I was Orla McNeilis. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>